Well, I'd like for you to take your Bibles and turn to Psalm 126 and verse 3, simply titled uh, Silver Anniversary. This message is is, um, just a kind of a message of sharing, if you don't mind. When you stay somewhere long enough to reach a 25-year or silver anniversary, as they call it, you have developed a good sense of why you are where you are and why you've stayed so long. Jan and I came to this church on February the 16th, 1992. We had three sons in tow. Uh, We were driving a uh, blue Oldsmobile 98 Regency, uh, the uh, low to the ground, and it floated uh, like a cloud. Um, Our three sons were uh, in the eighth grade, that was Nathan, in the sixth grade, that was Matthew, and our first grader was Paul. Upon arrival, the driveway was lined with people, went all the way from the street, all the way around in front of the church, and back here to, to our parking place. And that was our first day. Here we are, 25 years later. My children now have children. My son, Nathan, is now 38 years old, and Nathan is a lobbyist. He is uh, the uh, vice president of governmental affairs for Jackson Health Systems out of Miami, uh, the um, third largest public hospital in the nation. Nathan's doing quite well, and I'm very proud of Nathan. He has two sons. Uh, The sixth grader is now, that's Matthew, he's now a a police officer in South Florida, where he is also a, an FTO, a field training officer. He's a sniper on the SWAT team. Uh, Matthew is uh, tough as a pine knot, and uh, he is a good guy, and I'm really proud of, of Matthew. Uh, Matthew is not married and has no children. And then <clears throat> the first grader is now 32. And that's Paul. Paul lives in Jacksonville. Paul is a, um, in banking, he's, he's actually with a credit union. He is the, um, he is the, cre- the manager of one of the largest branches, if not the largest branch for Community First Credit Union in Jacksonville. Paul has uh, two uh, children and uh, little girls, and uh, we just adore them. Uh, Jan and I have changed in 25 years. Um, We've changed considerably. The world has changed in 25 years. Our community has changed during this time, and our church has changed uh, during this time. We're not the same as we were on that February Sunday in 1992, and we'll never be the same again. As your pastor things have changed with you and me. And as the pastor of this church, things have changed. Those things that used to be stirring about my presence have become more comforting uh, than stirring. The, that which used to be such a challenge to you has become <clears throat> familiar <clears throat> to you. <clears throat> The provocative or the provoking is more of a settling now. And the unknown has become known, even expected. 
Those are not bad things. Those are things to, to expect after someone has been in the kind of relationship that we've been in for as many years as we've been in this relationship. Celebrating this day <clears throat> is an acknowledgement to me, and I've already made this announcement, is acknowledgement for me that, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> that which was uncomfortable and unfamiliar to you is now. Be- In fact, I, let me say this. Your new pastor, if he doesn't clear his throat, you're going to be disappointed. <clears throat> <clears throat> but this day is an acknowledgement to me that you uh, do really need uh, a new pastor, someone who is not quite as comforting <clears throat> as me, someone who is as challenging as I used to be, someone who is more provocative than settling, and someone who is unknown to you. Doesn't mean that our relationship has been a bad relationship. It doesn't mean that your new relationship will not be a good relationship. But it does tell me that it's time. All of that is ahead. But today is a milestone. It's 25 years. 25 years that I'm very grateful for, very happy about. And here's a verse that I was directed to on this, my 25th anniversary. Psalm 126 and verse 3. The Lord has done great things for us. We are glad. As I thought about this message and how it should be approached, I I considered what Jan and I could look back upon and be glad about. And and let me say this to you, and I'll, I'll say this without hopefully without emotion. Uh, Jan really is um, uh, a, a strength in this ministry. and She's a strength in my ministry. You're, you're, you will feel like a little bit of loss whenever I am no longer your pastor. You'll experience a great loss when she's no longer the pastor's wife. That's just the truth. She is absolutely phenomenal. Would you thank her? And let me just tell you this. Yesterday, she did a slow-cooked chicken and rice and made a pineapple upside-down cake that you could eat with a truck parked on your foot. It was phenomenal. So very good. And we do look back on some things. For instance, I'm happy, we're happy with the upgrades and additions that we've made all over this campus. during these years, including the interior and exterior of this building. Uh, Those of you who were here when I came know that this looked a lot different than it does today. I'm happy that after being here for five years, we became a debt-free ministry and have remained so. We've been debt-free since 1997, which is an amazing thing considering the ups and downs of the economy and and all that has been done. I'm happy that every full-time partner or employee or full-time ministry partner in in, in this church and and our school, they have the opportunity for a generous retirement program, health care benefits, and other policies that we've established just to make things fair. Uh, We hear our president talk a lot about fair. This isn't fair, and that isn't fair. Well, there were some things that we needed to do to make the the ministry and our relationship uh, with 
each and every person who partners in this ministry fair. I'm happy about our financial reputation in this town. Uh, Our financial reputation in Tallahassee and North Florida is phenomenal. As a ministry or as a company, uh, you will find, uh, you will find, you will not find, as far as I know, anybody who's honest with you who would not say that's a great group of people to do business with. I've got to be honest, I'm happy about all of the state championships that we've had in all of the sports, and they've all come in the last 25 years. Uh, this, this ministry couldn't dribble a basketball before I came, but uh, just kidding. <clears throat> but they all did come <clears throat> in the last 25 years. And to, you have to know <clears throat> that we think about these things. But beyond this, there are truer reasons. There are reasons more important for us. Reasons that we look back upon and we say, this is what we are really here for. And to that end, I'd like to speak to you this morning and tell you what we look back upon with gratitude and what I pray that you'll look forward to in anticipation. This silver anniversary, this celebrating 25 years for my ministry and leadership here, I want you to know that I look back on what I hope was a ministry for the glory of God. Not for any other glory, but for the glory of God. Most pastors, including me, most pastors are treated special by someone. They may be treated special by a few or more than a few. They may be treated special by a lot of people. I have friends who are pastors of of mega churches, really huge, huge churches. And quite honestly, they they get the rock star treatment at their church, and they get the rock star treatment everywhere they go. They are managed, protected, projected, promoted, and in a lot of ways pampered. Not I'm just stating a fact, not, not giving an opinion, stating a fact. <clears throat> when they show up, people show out, and they hope to make the best impression they can on their pastor. I think everybody does that to a certain degree, but you reach a point where it really is a rock star thing. Shouldn't be, but it is. <clears throat> Some pastors get there accidentally. Some pastors have it thrust upon them. Other pastors, quite honestly, cultivate it. Either way, there's a pitfall with it. There's a pitfall for any pastor or any leader to be treated more special than than that leader ought to be treated. Here are a couple of verses that will tell you what the the pitfalls are. 1 Corinthians 10.31, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. There's a pitfall of not doing it that way when you're treated too special. Colossians 3.23, whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not, excuse me, not for men. It's a challenge to keep from seeking self-gratification. It really is. It's not, it's a genuine challenge. We're human. And pastors, just like a lot of people, we enjoy the spotlight. 
we like it directly or indirectly. <clears throat> we just, we like the praise. We like to be praised. Um, God has given <clears throat> us opportunities to shine. And God has given us reasons to feel gratified in the work that he's called us to do. But <clears throat> never does God expect us to usurp authority that belongs to him. All glory belongs to God. Being honest, I have to say <clears throat> that my constant struggle in ministry is to prevent my ego from usurping his glory, from standing in the way of <clears throat> blocking his glory. It's accurate to say that no one has reason to have an ego, an ego boost, excuse me, over any accomplishment <clears throat> of any kind or at any place at any time. Great athletes are great athletes because they've been gifted with an ability. There's just no way around that. There's absolutely no way around that. You say, well, I know so-and-so works really hard. I, you know what? I know a lot of people who <clears throat> work really hard that couldn't hit a baseball uh, with, a, with a plank if it was on a tee. They just were not <clears throat> gifted with that ability. Great athletes, any athlete, they're gifted with an ability. They have a, a factor, Coach Price, that's called it. <clears throat> They've just got it. And if they're wise, they'll know where it came from. It <clears throat> came from God. Successful businessmen and businesswomen <clears throat> have opportunities open to them that are perhaps not given to others. And a lot of their <clears throat> success, in fact, all of their success is because of an it factor. And God gave <clears throat> the it. A singer <clears throat> in the spotlight or an actor on the stage, they have unique skill sets given to them by one who is greater <clears throat> than themselves. And if that is true of all people, it is especially true of those <clears throat> God calls to the ministry. And I, I want to make something very clear to you. I will be retiring, as you know. In fact, <clears throat> I think <clears throat> about three months from this Sunday is my last Sunday morning message here. <clears throat> but I'll be retiring from pastoring. I will not be <clears throat> retiring or resigning from the work of God. The Bible says that his callings are without repentance. <clears throat> I will continue to preach and to the best of my ability do so where God opens the door. The Apostle Paul said it this way in Galatians 6.14, but far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. When I say to you that <clears throat> we hope that our ministry has been to the glory of God and that I pray that your ministry in the future will be to the glory of God. I mean the glory of who <clears throat> he is. All of us, regardless of position or success in that position, must know that there's one true and <clears throat> living God and we serve him. This nation is called a Christian nation. I found it interesting that yesterday in somewhere in Florida here, <clears throat> President Trump gave a speech 
and I think Melania Trump came out and before him and gave a speech and she began it with the Lord's Prayer. And I mean, the media is going nuts over the fact that she began a a speech with the Lord's Prayer. (laughs) Well, I got to tell you something, folks. There was a time when our nation as a whole acknowledged that there was one true and living God. And thank God that a brilliant, beautiful woman was bold enough to begin with the Lord's Prayer, or as the Catholics call it, with the Our Father. We do not serve ourselves or our stuff. We serve the true and living God. He is the beginning and the end of everything. And you and and I, we live for the glory of who he is and the glory of what he has done. What has God done to receive all glory and praise of our lives? If we named only one thing, if he said, well, I just, I want to boil it down to just one thing. I, I just want to give one thing that he has done that will <clears throat> cause me to give him all glory and, and honor for the rest of my life, it would be this. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. We give all glory to God for who he is and <clears throat> for what he has done. 25 years is a lot, but take a look at God, who he is and what he's done and <clears throat> what he is doing. Romans eight twenty eight, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. Colossians 1, 17, and he is before all things and in him <clears throat> all things hold together. What God has always done, He will continue to do. He will hold all things together and work everything out for good, uh, for the good of your life and for mine. And God has been doing this for all of our lifetime, and He'll continue to do so. And when we do not see it uh, as good, either He is not the one who did it, or we just can't catch it yet, and we'll find out about it later. Either way, God is good. The psalmist said, this is the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. With all of my heart, with all of my heart, not just saying it, I mean it with all of my heart. I hope these 25 years and the the ones to come in our lives, Jan and myself, and and in the life and ministry of of North Florida Baptist Church and North Florida Christian School, I pray that it is always and only for the glory of God. And if it becomes something else, then it's the wrong thing. On this silver anniversary, I pray that I look back upon 25 years that was done for the glory of God and the good of the gospel. Acts 1.8 says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. As believers, as a church, we have a message. We really have a singular message with many applications. The message is very clear and simple. We have heard the joyful sound, Jesus saves Jesus saves. That is our message. 
Now, there are all kinds of ways to present the message, support the message, distribute the message, but that is the message. The two best movements, and I'll call them this, the two best movements that we've ever had in this church centered around the gospel message. The first movement, I would say, is across the street. We've had many across-the-street movements since I've been here, but the the greatest and most productive time in our across-the-street ministry of this church was when we were in faith evangelism. Sadly, the momentum of faith or faith evangelism was greatly diminished due to reasons that are beyond our control. That is, the people of this church or even me. The blessings of that time in our history, however, are monumental. The mandate for the gospel is beyond the momentum of the program. And and I want to encourage you in something. I want to encourage you that when your new pastor comes, and and there are a lot of things that your new pastor will want. I have no idea who your new pastor is going to be. You don't either, evidently. But when your new pastor comes, he's going to want to do some restoration projects. He's going to want to change some things. Now, first of all, you you need to check. We've never done it that way before at the door. And you need to check. We've always done it this way at the door. Because you're going to have a new pastor who will come in here and he'll have a new vision. I've told you before that I can probably preach as well as I've ever, maybe preach better than I've ever preached. And I can lead as well as I've ever led. But you need new and fresh vision in this church. You need a new pastor with fresh vision because the most, one of the most important things, I'll say it that way, that a pastor brings to a church is vision for where the church can go. And I know that I have brought you to where you need to go next, and that is to find a new pastor. I know that. And your new pastor is going to do some restoration projects. I pray that that on the front burner of the church of a restoration project will be the daily witness of this church to the unsaved world. Not just from the pulpit, but from the pew. And that every believer becomes a witness and that every believer will be active in sharing the message of Jesus Christ. The message that changed your life, by the way, will change the lives of other people as well. As a people, a church family, this church must take up the challenge with renewed zeal to win the lost for Jesus Christ. And, and that is important, <clears throat> more important than any tenure of any pastor or anything else <clears throat> dear by the congregation. Not only do we share the gospel message and do I look back upon the gospel message as being one that was shared across the street, but also around the world. <clears throat> as a church family, we have a calling to reach as much <clears throat> of the world as possible with the message of the gospel. One of the things that Jan and I will be doing, and and I'm just being honest with you, one of the things that Jan and I will be doing is is to become attached to a mission board as what we'll call special missionaries. And we will continue 
to, to do worldwide missions. I'll continue to, to go, and she'll continue to go, and, and we'll have a ministry of encouragement and a ministry of blessing and a ministry of teaching <clears throat> and a ministry of preaching in places around the world, just like we've always done. That's one of the things that, that we want to do. And the reason is because the life that, that, that we have lived for the past 25 years is a life that we want to continue to live. <clears throat> that is a life of bringing glory to God and a life of sharing the gospel message across the street and around the world. <clears throat> Furthermore, over the years, we, this church, we have obligated ourselves to missionaries who have visited our church. They have shared their bur- burden, and they've gone on <clears throat> to the fields where they were called. And the dollars that we give in missions is a direct contribution to sending the gospel around the world, sending the light, the blessed gospel light around the world. Some of our missionaries have retired over the years and they've come home. Other missionaries have come home and they've taken other positions in ministry. That's all governed itself. But there's still many missionaries on the field and we're a vital part of what they do on the field. Missionaries on the field like Jim and Susie Horn Missionaries like James and, and Candy uh, Matthews. Missionaries like the hoax in South Africa and the leathers in Togo, West Africa and the Nueces in Argentina <clears throat> and, the, and the Jungs that we support and the Smiths in New Zealand. <clears throat> they are spreading the gospel message to people all around the world. And this church is sending that light. When you give, you are sending that light. Literally, you're sending it to Togo. You're literally sending it to Nigeria. You're literally sending it to to Kenya. You're literally sending it to Eastern Europe. You're literally sending it to uh, uh, New Zealand and to South America and to Central America. You are literally sending it around the world. And that is not only something we've done in the past, that's something we must continue to do in the future. In these 25 years, my hope is that we have given all glory to God and, and been faithful to the gospel and worked for the growth of believers. Paul wrote to Timothy and he said this, and I take this personally as he's writing it to me, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. <clears throat> Every believer has the responsibility to grow in his, in his or her faith. And every pastor has the duty to give his congregation the tools for growth. It is not my responsibility to make you grow. It is my responsibility to give you the tools to help you to grow. And it's my sincere hope that <clears throat> while under the preaching of the word from, from this pulpit, as I have preached the message, I pray that you have grown. I pray that you've not only learned something that helped your head, but got into your heart and changed your life. That's part of what I look back upon and part of while I was, while I was here. And I, I will tell you something that some of you already know. <clears throat> for years, for as long now as I can remember, I have dedicated Tuesdays and Thursdays to studying and preparing to preach the Word of God mostly to you. My studies, my study time lasts the whole day. 
in, in 25 years, <clears throat> I have repeated some messages, but I have never repeated a message without further preparation and deeper understanding. The preaching of God's Word is more serious to me than you can possibly imagine. It is the most serious thing that I do. It's the thing that still makes me a little queasy. It's the thing that concerns me the most. It's the thing about which I am singularly dedicated in a week. I want to show you a picture. That's me. This is on the very day. This is a picture of me on the very day that I prepared this message, the one that I'm preaching right now. That's me. For for those of you who are Georgia Bulldog fans, that is a signed Herschel Walker jersey behind my head. And for those of you who are watching by internet, you're watching the live feed on this, don't get any ideas about coming to get it. There are several things. Number one, it's signed to me, to Pastor Ray. And secondly, we have a burglar alarm that will eat your arm off. Not only do I dedicate two days each week to study, but my sermons are manuscripted. Let Let me show you what I mean by that. See if I can keep that. My sermons are in manuscript form. Um, that means, that, that, that doesn't mean that I read them necessarily, but that means that anybody could read them if they wanted to. <clears throat> I don't do this because I enjoy writing, although I do enjoy writing. You, you know why I manuscript my sermons? To make sure <clears throat> that I do not say something that is biblically unsound. And even so, I still overlook things and make mistakes. But I, I work really hard. And when I'm preaching, I try to do so in a way that doesn't keep me too dependent on the text, but doesn't cause me to stray too far from it either. And, and could I tell you this, that when I move out to the side like this, as you've seen me do, on more than one occasion, and when I come out and stand in the front like I'm standing right now, that I have strayed from my text. I have strayed from my preparation. And could I tell you that most, if not all, of the trouble that I've ever gotten into has been in this area right here? Because they were unplanned, unprepared, and oftentimes unwise. Jan and I are truly thankful for the opportunity that God has given us to serve Him and to serve in this place for 25 years. In our hearts, we serve for the glory of God, for the message of the gospel, for the growth of the believers, and one more thing, for the good of our world. I truly, I truly hope that Tallahassee has benefited by our presence here. I truly hope that it has. This has become our community. This has become our home. This has become the place where we have planted roots and we have stayed. I had never visited Tallahassee 
before I came here to preach the first time. Never been to Tallahassee. Tallahassee wasn't on my route to anything. <clears throat> if I were going to Disney World from Nashville, I never came through Tallahassee. I just never had come to Tallahassee. I knew about Tallahassee. I had seen Florida State play football one time when I was living in Orlando and somebody invited me to go to the Florida-Florida State game in Gainesville. And I went to the Florida and Florida State game in Gainesville and I, I don't remember much about that other than that my do these people hate each other. <clears throat> when I came here 25 years ago, Sylvia and I saw that the daily newspaper was called The Democrat. I went, oh my goodness, I'm in trouble. In the end, <clears throat> Tallahassee is our world, or at least our corner of the world. You too. And when our ministry, for, that is for Jan and myself, when, when it transitions to another phase, we continue to hope to live here. And as I, have, as I have told you when announcing my retirement, we will not interfere with this ministry. And, and here's my hope, and here's how you can help. I will ask you not to ask us to interfere in this ministry. Uh, <clears throat> I will ask you not to ask us to weigh in on things that are no longer our business. I can really hurt this church by having opinions in areas where I shouldn't have opinions. And by saying things that I shouldn't say. And by not keeping my, my tongue in check. And I hope, <clears throat> Jan and I hope, to be able to stay in this town for a long time to come. We still haven't bought cemetery plots. I keep asking her where she wants to be buried, and she said, I don't know. And I keep saying, look, old girl, you better start making up your mind about stuff. I don't say that. <clears throat> I hope you'll allow us to remain in Tallahassee, and I'm serious about that. Do you know what I mean by that? I hope that, that you will not put us in a position of feeling like we've got to answer you about how this is going or that's going or what we think or this, that, or the other. You say, well, don't you want to talk to us? I want to talk to every one of you. I want to be your friends. And I will continue to be your friends. I will. I, I will. <clears throat> it, it'll be a joy to, to see you socially. It'll be a joy to <clears throat> some of you that I, I've had lunch with, and, and I'll continue to have lunch. But we're not going to have lunch to talk about the church. We're not going to have lunch to talk about the new preacher. <clears throat> we're, we're, I think I told you when I made my announcement about retirement, there's two things that, that I don't want to hear. I don't want to hear, boy, we wish you were back. And I don't want to hear, thank God you're gone. <laughs> I don't hear either one of them. And by the way, <clears throat> the other thing that I don't want to hear is you're looking good. Because that's the last living compliment. The next one is, doesn't he look natural? 
I want you to remember that you too are here for the glory of God, for the gospel of Christ, for the growth of the saints, and for the good of the community. You are the restraining presence of the church to be taken at the rapture. But while you are here, you're God's presence in this part of the world. And you make a difference. And you should continue to make a difference. You should continue to be who you've always been in making a difference in this community. I don't have a best memory. I have a lot of really good memories. I don't have a best memory. But I'll, share, I'll close by sharing with you a really good memory, okay? <clears throat> and, and this is my, my final uh, word today beyond a verse that I'll read. One evening, <clears throat> I took my faith evangelism team to do cold calls at an apartment complex. Daryl, I can't remember if you were on this time or not, but you were on my faith team at one time. And I can't remember if you were at this time, but we went to an apartment complex, a cold call. A cold call is when you knock on the door, you know, like the vacuum cleaner salesman. You just knock on the door. And somebody comes to the door and you try and talk to them. And so we knocked on a door in this apartment complex and we're greeted by a very nice man and a very nice woman. I had never seen them before, (coughs) never seen them in my life. But I, I learned, soon learned that I was talking to Kermit and Robbie Yost. I would never forget Kermit's name because it was all that I could do to keep from saying, oh, I'm so glad to, it was all that I could do. <clears throat> they invited us in. We went into their apartment and we exchanged pleasantries. And then I asked the key question, in your personal opinion, what do you understand a person needs to do in order to go to heaven? They gave a works answer. There's three answers, a works answer, a faith answer, a works answer, an unclear answer, or an I don't know. They gave a works answer. So my team started praying and doing what they were supposed to do, and I shared the gospel. Both Kermit and Robbie Yost prayed to receive Jesus Christ as their Savior that night. And their lives were radically changed. They came the following Sunday and presented themselves for believers' baptism. They became two of the most dedicated soul winners that this church has ever known. And a few years after being saved and baptized, Robbie developed a cancer that would eventually take her life. But that moment in that apartment, talking with Kermit and Robbie Yost, is one of the best memories of my 25 years at North Florida. That was a divine appointment that night. Just as February the 16th, 1992 was a divine appointment for the Ray family some 25 years ago. We live by divine appointments. And it's not just preachers who have them. All of us do. 
God brings to your life divine appointments. God led you here today as a divine appointment. And we want to take proper advantage of those divine appointments so that we will reach the day that Jesus spoke of when he said, his master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. And if you and if I, if all of us will meet our appointments to the fullest, one day we'll hear the same.